Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Church, I am thrilled that you're here on a very special day as we continue a series that we began last Sunday. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, has some profound words, and we're thinking about these words all month long. I want to read them to you. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? And I think that is such a compelling question. And I hope you have considered that at some point. What does the Lord want from me? What does the Lord require? Well, there's a list here, and it's beautiful. So what does the Lord require of you? Here it is. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Last week, we introduced this series by looking at that very first requirement, to act justly. And what we discovered is that the word justice has a high value throughout Scripture. You find it everywhere. God loves Justice, so much so that he identifies with those who are vulnerable. And I believe throughout Scripture you can define the vulnerable groups as those without economic resources and those without political power. Those are truly vulnerable groups. And over and over and over again, here's what you find God doing in Scripture. And I find this to be amazing. You find God identifying with those at the bottom, not with those at the top, but with those at the bottom. And he has a strong desire to administer and give justice to those without economic resources and those without political power. I love this thought and this quote from author Timothy Keller. He has something very interesting to say in his book, Generous Justice, and here's what it says. God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power, and so should we. That is what it means to do justice, and that brings us to today. Do justice or act justly. We want to do more than just talk about that concept, because as I mentioned last week, I think most of us are going to say, well, yeah, of course, we should do justice. We should be administering kindness and empathy and justice to those who are vulnerable. We should be doing that, absolutely. But we want to do more than just talk about justice. We want to think through how we can act justly. And today, as a church... I want to provide a very simple but yet compelling and I think a very strategic way for us to act justly and that will be through this year's Christmas initiative. By the way, you only have 43 more shopping days until Christmas, all right? Just so you know, just so you know. For the last seven years, We have ended the year at Valley Point with an initiative. And some of you know about this because you have been a part of it in the past. Some of you are very new to Valley Point, and so this will be an exciting journey for you. But for the past seven years, we have run an initiative at the end of the year where we set a financial goal, and then we raise funds for that goal, and we give it all away to different organizations who are doing the work of justice. Even if we exceed the goal, which we often have done, we give it all away to these organizations so that they can accomplish what they need to with a little extra. Let me encourage you by saying, over the past seven years, as a church, and we're just one church, but over the past seven years, 
we have raised a little over $433,000 that has been given away to these organizations. I think that's great. I think it's amazing. And I want to thank you for responding and for praying and for participating and for being so generous. I think that puts a smile on the face of God and continues to be a great story of what's happening here at Valley Point Church. I believe with this year's initiative, we will exceed that $500,000 mark, which again is just amazing and all glory to God. Here's what I want to do today. I want to introduce you to the organizations that will be part of this year's initiative. I want to introduce you to their leaders. These are extraordinary individuals who are on the front lines of administering justice and serving vulnerable groups. I think as you listen to their heart and to their passion, you will be very encouraged and you will be inspired. Thank you for being here today. I challenge you to come. I wanted our whole church to be a part of this day as we think about doing more than just talking about justice. We want to act in a just way. And here is our opportunity. So enjoy. And you think through how God wants you to act justly. Let's watch this together. Una Brewer serves with Go Mad or Go Make a Difference in the Dominican Republic. The main purpose of their work is to stop the cycle of poverty by educating children, helping them graduate from school, and keeping them healthy so they can stay in school. Within the villages where GoMad serves, there's an English school and children's Bible studies. There's a medical clinic and a doctor where care is received. And for those 18 and over, technical skill training. Restoring hope and creating opportunity for the exploited and vulnerable is a priority. For the past 10 years, Una, who is a part of Valley Point Church, has been taking teams to serve in the Dominican villages. We have a team that will be going to the DR in April of 2019. Our willingness to act justly and generously share is going to make a difference in the Dominican Republic. Will you help me welcome Una Brewer? I know many of you know Una, her family attends here, and she is an active part of Valley Point Church and an active part of this community as well as a doctor. You work for CHOP and you care for so many people, but you've also chosen to take the skills that you have and the passion that you have, and you're doing some wonderful work in the Dominican Republic. So just talk to us a little bit. What excites you most? Mm-hmm. about your work and your calling in the DR? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I, I think I'd have to say it's the feeling that I have whenever I kind of roll into the village. Um, it's, a, it's a hard feeling to describe, but um, I think when you follow God's calling, there's something in your heart that your heart beats differently than mm-hmm. most every other time. And I was, I was thinking about how am I going to explain this? And it just... That, just came to me, for those of you who are parents and kids are off to college, um, you can probably resonate with this. When suddenly everybody's home, mm. you know, everybody comes home from school and you have the, the house full and there's this incredible sense of love and contentment and joy. And it's like, oh, wow, everything is so perfect. And you feel that in your heart. That's pretty much what I feel whenever I mm. roll into Ascension and, you know, kids are coming up and all these women and hugs and this joy. And it's like, this Lord is really good. Mm. So it's as, it's as good as I can describe that feeling I get. It excites me every single time. I haven't lost that feeling in 10 years. Mm. So I hope that makes sense, but it, it's, it's hard to put into words. I think when you're following uh, God's calling, it's something so deep within your heart and mm. it's so exciting. It, it makes great sense. And I've had one opportunity Mm-hmm. to be in Villa Ascension with you. And you talk about the joy yeah. that exists there. And I remember going into the village and you see poverty mm-hmm. and you naturally assume, or maybe we as Americans naturally assume, no one here Absolutely. is going to be happy. Right. 
and that's just not the case. Uh, tremendous joy, mm -hmm. and, and I remember mm -hmm. that, and I know you speak of that every time you go. So you are on the board mm -hmm. of an organization called Go Mad, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of work, obviously, mm -hmm. in the Dominican. Can you just describe Go Mad a little bit, its mission sure. and its purpose? Sure. Okay, so Go Mad, Go Make a Difference is the, the, the purpose and goal is to try to stop the cycle of poverty. So we're mm. stationed on the north coast of the Dominican Republic, and there's extreme poverty, uh, yeah. different than what we see here in our country pretty much everywhere. And um, we have figured out that to stop the cycle of poverty, we need to start when the kids are little. We need mm. to educate and, and um, get children through, through uh, school. We need to do job training for the adults so that they have some purpose and uh, a means to um, provide for their families. We need to keep children fed and we need to keep them healthy. Mm. So through these major assets, we, um, we are hoping to eventually stop the cycle of poverty and, and have families mm. move on in better situations. Mm. The work in the Dominican has really grown mm -hmm. over the past few years. I know you started with work in one mm -hmm. village. That has now expanded to four right. different villages. Mm -hmm. And when you're there, you're obviously very busy yep. and active and moving around these four different places. Talk a little bit about the value of education mm -hmm. and how you help with that. And then also the value of keeping the children healthy mm -hmm. so that they can complete their education. These are important things for GOMAD. Sure. Talk about that sure. a little bit. Okay, clearly the value of education, that's a no-brainer. You need to be educated in order to have some kind of future, some mm -hmm. kind of hope, and we're really trying to provide hope for these children. Um, this, the schools are free, the public schools are free, but you need a uniform in order to go to school. And when you have no money, you can't buy uniforms, right. so you can't go to school. So that's every year we have a big uniform drive, and this way kids are able to go to school, and we really encourage them. After school, we have a homework program, and they're enthusiastic. We help them get that education. So everybody gets to go for free. Then the English school is a real integral part of GOMAD because it's such a tourist industry that if you have a skill as a translator, you have a job. And mm. I'm really proud to, to say that many of our, our young adults are, the word is out, that GOMAD kids know how to translate. So for all mission teams that come in on the north coast of, of the Dominican, our kids are helping. So they're getting jobs. Mm. And um, that will, of course, empower them to be more marketable when they graduate. Mm. So the education is, is critical. Health, of course, if you're not healthy, you can't go to school. Yeah. So we do provide uh, free medical care for the children and, and all the, the adults in the mm. villages. I know one of the things I remember about the work there is also helping people find documentation oh, yeah. about who they are. Mm -hmm. And so many don't have ID mm -hmm. and without ID, there's certainly a lid mm -hmm. on what they can accomplish. And so GOMAD's work is really important. It is very important because there's so many uh, Haitian refugees, for lack of a better word, it, undocumented Haitians mm -hmm. who live in the country. And they're, they're people. They're God's children. And um, right. they, they get nothing if they don't have documentation. So mm -hmm. that I think it's still ongoing, but that has been a huge success for GOMAD to mm -hmm. get them identity so that they could go to school because without documentation, you can't do anything. Mm. Share a story of life change and how you are seeing Go Mad mm -hmm. truly live up to their mm -hmm. title of making a difference. Yeah, there's lots of them. And I, I think one thing is mission work is long. I'm sure these guys will say that too. It's long and tedious and, 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 and the stories don't always come out right away. But mm -hmm. I will tell many of you who've been there know Papito and he is in his young 20s now, but we met him when he was 12. And Papito mm. is the oldest of five children, and uh, his parents left him to be in charge. They went to Haiti and never came back. So when Gomad met him, he was walking two miles a day to do shoe shining in the local village just to get money to bring back for his siblings. Mm. Um, and over the course of the past 10 years, Papito has um, gone to school, 
finished in the, or he's in advanced English school now. He served as a translator. He has jobs frequently. He's an active member of his church, and he just graduated from high school. Mm. So he is now the leader of his family, and his siblings coming up, they're godly, educated, healthy, you know, future, children of the future. Mm. So Papito is one of our um, success stories. There are many, but he's just the one that really resonates in my heart mm. right now. Wow. Our generosity with this year's initiative, I think, is going to really help. Mm -hmm. Can you paint a picture of how you see that being used in the Dominican? Absolutely, and I'm just so grateful to be up here. I don't like being up here, but I'm <laughs> grateful for it because of Valley Point's generosity. I think this year's initiative will specifically go to funding the English program. We have probably well over 250 students. They come in voluntarily after school. Um, to do English, and we have two excellent teachers so that the funding will help pay for their salaries and for any supplies, uh, school supplies for the English school. And then also we will help fund the medical clinic. Medicine is very expensive, mm -hmm. and uh, we have an amazing doctor and a nurse who travel to all the four villages and provide uh, medic free medical care. So your generosity will make a huge impact for well over 5,000 people. Mm. Yeah. Una, thank you for your leadership and for your willingness to, again, take the skills that God has given to you, both as a medical doctor mm -hmm. and also as a Christ follower, mm -hmm. and the passion you have just for serving people, to not only use that here at home, which you're doing, but also to use that in the Dominican. We are honored to be able to partner with you and go mad, and we're excited to see what the initiative will do to help you accomplish your goals. Thank you. Will you help me thank Una Brewer? Thank you. Jillian Tymon is the executive director of Triad Addiction Recovery Services in Wilmington, Delaware. Jillian leads and manages the daily operations and programs of Triad. She oversees the counseling program, partner relationships, and education program. Jillian has extensive personal experience with addiction and recovery, along with 25 years of senior leadership experience in the financial services sector. Over the years, Triad has provided free counseling for substance abuse and mental health disorders to thousands of addicts and their families, served as a drop-in center for people who just wanted somebody to talk to, managed a 24-hour emergency hotline assisted families in conducting interventions, and hosted thousands of 12-step meetings. Triad's vision in the heart of downtown Wilmington is to continue to provide free counseling, referral, and education services to all who come for help. Our willingness to act justly and generously share is going to make a difference in Wilmington, Delaware. Will you help me welcome Jillian? <laughs> One of the goals we've had with our initiatives over the years is that we split them up a little bit and we serve communities around us. That's important that we be a bright light right here. And then also communities and other places around the world where justice is needed and a bright light needs to be shed. And so Jillian serves at Triad in Wilmington, and this is your first time here at Valley Point Church, so welcome. I'm so thankful that you're here. Jillian, Thank what you. excites you most about your work and your calling at Triad? I'm really excited to work for Triad Addiction Recovery Services because we uh, help people recover from addiction. Um, at a time when the media is filled with negative stories about the opioid epidemic and people who are dying in their addiction, we provide people with hope for a recovery that can give them a healthy and productive life. Um, for 25 years before I joined Triad, I worked in the financial services industry, helping people spend and borrow money, um, which is appreciated by some but wasn't very fulfilling for me. So after 25 years, I was just burned out. I took some time off to reflect and spend time with my family and really felt I was being called to give back, mm -hmm. um, to use the skills that I'd learned in banking to really help others. 
Um, I was very grateful to be offered this opportunity to work for Triad and to give back to the community and help others to recover from addiction. So tell us a little bit more about Triad and some of the things that happen there, just to paint a picture for all of us of your work. Triad offers free counseling, um, referral services, and educational programs to individuals and their families who are suffering from addiction and mental health disorders. We believe that everyone has dignity and worth, and we advocate a compassionate and confidential recovery process that restores people to freedom and health. Um, Triad was founded in 1976 as a ministry of Trinity Episcopal Church in downtown Wilmington. It functioned for many years uh, at the generosity of the church, but back in 2013, they couldn't afford to support us anymore. So we filed to become an independent nonprofit with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and and since then have been... um, supported by individual donations and some individual foundation grants from some local foundations. Back in 2015, we were given a generous grant that enabled us to start growing. For so many years, we've been a very small organization and nobody really heard of us and nobody knew what we did. Um, They knew there were AA and NA meetings at Trinity, but they didn't know about our counseling or our education programs. And this grant has enabled us to bring on two new full-time licensed clinical social workers, one of whom is Mallory Giles, who is a member here at Valley Point. Um, We've also hired a program coordinator and a very enthusiastic and energetic executive director, and that would be me. (laughs) And um, we're building a name for ourselves. We're getting the name out there that, you know, people are really understanding and coming to realize that Triad offers so much more than just AA and NA meetings. Um, We've had an aggressive marketing campaign to get our name out. We've developed relationships with over 20 um, organizations in the recovery um, field, And um, we're meeting with churches and schools and corporations to educate them about addiction and ways to recover. And we're excited about the future. We've got a continued uh, strategic plan that takes us into the future and a dedicated board of directors that's really providing guidance to help us get to where we want to be. And and one of the things I've appreciated about our time together is, and this was true for Una as well, God is using your skill set in a different way now. He's using your business acumen to help an organization that is serving vulnerable people, those walking through recovery and those impacted by those specific issues. Is using your skill set to help build and, and grow that and expand its influence, which I think is a great thing. So I pick up on an accent, uh, North Carolina? Uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about home. Um, I'm originally from London. I was born and raised in London and grew up in the Baptist church. My father's a Baptist minister. I went to college at Oxford University and um, was the head of the Christian Union at, at college. And straight out of college, I joined an American uh, financial services company. I've lived in four different countries, nine different cities, and I'm now um, a member of Westminster Presbyterian in Wilmington, Delaware, and that's very much home for me and my two children. I do go back a couple of uh, every other year and see my parents and my family, but um, America is very much home now. Hmm. Recovery is close to your heart. Why? I'm a recovering alcoholic myself, and I will say that you might not think of me as an addict or think looking at me that I could be an addict, but addiction doesn't discriminate. It can impact anybody in any walk of life at any time, Um, and I've learned over the years that that, that, that's to be true. Um, I started socially drinking in my 20s, and it got uh, to be an addiction, and I got to the brink of despair and checked myself into Father Martin's Ashley, which is a rehab center in Maryland, where I learned that addiction is a disease, and while it's not curable, it is treatable with the help of your higher power, whom I call God, um, the program of AA, and working the steps. When I got out of rehab, I threw myself into the program of AA in Wilmington. 
I have a home group, I have a sponsor, and I work the 12 steps and have a great fellowship of people like myself who are looking to recover and you know, stay on that pathway to live healthy and productive lives. Um, at my role in Triad, I can help other people do that too. Um, that's why I have such a passion for it. And I can honestly say that I've never um, earned so little or worked so hard and felt more fulfilled than I do in my <laughs> job at Triad. Well, thank you for being transparent with us and sharing that. I think it certainly speaks to your passion for what you're doing. I know you said it just a, a few minutes ago, and when we met, you mentioned that addiction does not discriminate. Can you just talk to that a little bit more? It's a disease. Um, it can either be inherited or brought on by your own uh, aggressive drinking. Um, but and as, as I said, it's not curable. Um, you can stop drinking, but the disease progresses, and the next time you pick up, you pick up as though you never left. You never stopped drinking. It gets worse, even though you may stop drinking. Um, and it does affect everybody. In the program of, a of AA, we say it can impact anybody from Yale to jail, and that can be true. But in the, in the fellowship of AA, you meet people from all different walks of life, and we all have a common goal. Um, we're in the boat together trying to, um, trying to navigate the stormy seas of addiction and keep one another sober um, by sharing our, our experience, strength, and hope, not only with each other, but with other people who are trying to recover from addiction themselves. Our generosity with the initiative is going to go to Triad, and I think it's going to make a difference there. Can you paint a picture of how you see that being used? Well, firstly, let me say we're very grateful that you've chosen us to be part of the Christmas Initiative and appreciate your generosity. Um, there is an increasing demand for our services in this environment and this, uh, in these times, and we're getting calls on a daily basis from people who want to come to us for counseling to help them recover. And while we already have two full-time counselors, we're projecting that we're going to need another, another two full-time counselors over the course of the next 12 months. And your generosity is going to help us um, bring those people on board and enable us to keep offering free counseling, which is so rare in our community, free counseling to people who want to recover from addiction and to their family members who are struggling to trying to cope with, the, with those who are addicted in their family and in their circle of friends. You'll also help us um, renovate and outfit the offices we need to house those couple of counselors and to provide them with the infrastructure they need to do their jobs like computers and printers and um, recovery literature for the people they see. So we're very grateful. Thank you for mm -hmm. that. And I had a chance to be in one of your counseling rooms when we met, and it's beautiful space, which is important, and that brings dignity to the people you serve as well. Jillian, you, you are making a difference in Wilmington, and thank you for your leadership at Triad, and thank you for being willing to share your story of recovery as well and the passion that brings to what you are doing. We're grateful and excited to share with you of what God has given to us. Will you help me thank Jillian? <laughs> Quinn Tucker is the executive director of City Team in Chester, Pennsylvania. For the past 60 years, City Team has been serving hot, nutritious meals, offering hope, helping people in need, providing safe shelter, investing in communities, raising leaders, and transforming lives. Serving everyone always with dignity and compassion are values upon which City Team does not waver. The needs in Chester are significant. City Team continues to be a bright light. They are passionate about helping individuals and families in their community. With great hope, they open their doors and meet practical needs while sharing the love of Jesus. Valley Point has partnered with City Team in the past. We have tremendous respect for their missional work where they live, work, and play. Our willingness to act justly and generously share is going to make a difference in Chester, Pennsylvania. Will you help me welcome Quinn Tucker? Good morning. 
Quinn is a friend. We've become friends over the years and so grateful for what you're doing and the leadership you provide at City Team. We've partnered with City Team in the past. I know many of you are aware of their work, whether it's through Valley Point or even through your own business connections with City Team. They have a great network of people who support and you have so many volunteers who come to City Team. So it's a pleasure to have you in a Sunday service. This is the first time in our new home. So it's beautiful here. I'm so grateful to be here today and to be with you, many of whom feel like friends. It's a great place to be. So Quinn, talk to us. Same question. Sure. What, what excites you most about your calling and your mission city team? I love that you asked this question. Um, as I was thinking about the answer, I think I've been walking in and out of city team now for 16 years, mm. almost every day. And <laughs> I do, every time I walk in that building, still feel as excited to start the day as the first time I walked in there. And I think the main reason is that the work that we do is to create a safe place for people who are vulnerable, people who are struggling. We think of it as people who are having the worst day of their life or in a season of the worst time of their lives. And it feels so connected to the heart of Christ to be creating that place and to be part of making an environment where doing what Christ did and listening to what he asked us to do is a regular part of our work for people who are really struggling. It is for me, more than anything, a calling, but I feel so blessed that God called me into this kind of work. Mm. So describe City Team for us. What does a, a typical week look like? Because there's so many things yeah. that happen. There are a lot of activity, a lot of volunteers, staff, and you serve so many people. So just describe a typical week. Yeah, so... There are no typical weeks at City Team. We were thinking, I was thinking about that question too. But what that means for us is that there are always surprises at our work. But a few things remain the same. We've grown now to a team of 14 people working mm. on our staff. We are surrounded by hundreds of volunteers who work with each of those individuals. Um, we have a diverse team of people. If you were to come and meet all of our staff, I'm sure you would find someone who feels like a friend that you would know. We're so diverse. Um, but our work focuses in two areas. We're wanting to model the life of Christ through um, providing, meeting immediate needs and providing opportunity for lasting solutions. So in that immediate needs category, we're connecting with people who need the basics, food, clothing, uh, diapers for their children. We have multiple programs for individuals who are in temporary crisis or who are in prolonged situation of poverty. We have a food pantry that's open twice a week. We serve meals in our kitchens, three meals a day, seven days a week, mm. almost no exceptions. Um, we have outreaches for clothing, kids' furniture, diapers for moms who are in a vulnerable position. So if you were to consider yourself vulnerable, struggling, in transition, City Team is that safe place to stop and get immediate need, no questions asked. We're there to help. Um, our goal is to build relationships with the individuals who come in and show them the love of Christ and then also speak the love of Christ if they are interested in engaging in that way. And then we emphasize the other part of our ministry, thinking about how we can engage in opportunities for lasting solutions for people. We have residential programs for men who are struggling with addiction, homelessness. Um, we have connections with mental health partners to help both of those things kind of come together for the men that we serve. Uh, we have an on-site clinic that provides primary care. It's through a partnership with Widener University. Mm -hmm. So any individual who lives with us or even is in the community who needs medical treatment or care, they can come and get that right at City Team for free at no cost. Um, and then we have these other programs for women and kids that go a little more deep into their lives, specifically our family camp, which is in the summer. And when we think about that being a lasting solution for families who um, are experiencing poverty, who are looking to grow in their faith and are looking for community, and that's a real opportunity for them as well. We love the work that we do. I could talk forever, so I'll stop. It's <laughs> great. Talk a little bit. I'm, I'm going to throw something at you here, okay. which I think you'll be, you'll be fine with. Chester, yeah. the city of Chester, so close, just a short drive from here. Talk a little bit about the dynamics of city team being a bright light yeah. in a city with tremendous need. 
Sure, so I should disclose that I am not a native of Delaware County. I grew up in Arkansas, so I came here 16 years ago to serve with City Team. So I do come from a vantage point of a bit of an outsider looking in. My family and I live in the city of Chester and have for the last 13 years. So I'm a mix. Um, and what I know about Chester's history is that it was once a beautiful, booming place. Maybe many people in this room remember it so. And for the last 30 years, it's been 40 years now, it's been in a situation of great cr high crime, a lot of poverty, and a lot of um, just challenges within that city. And when City Team came in 1987, it was really at the height of some of the challenges that that Chester was facing. And I would describe the community in which I live as full of amazing and wonderful people, mm. um, but surrounded by a lot of poverty that has led to people acting in highly dysfunctional ways and damaging ways. And so it's not a safe feeling place for most of us who live there. There's always that feeling that something could happen in our community. Mm -hmm. But what City Team gives us the opportunity to do, and we're not alone in the city of Chester doing great work, but we have a, a unique opportunity to create this beacon of light. And what I've seen happen in the city is where these beacons of Christ's work are in place, City Team being one of those major pillars, is that the community around it starts to become a little more alive. Mm. And this is a, a beacon, a safe place for people who are in dysfunction and I do believe that God is doing great things among the people of Chester, and it's a privilege for us to be a small part of that. Yeah. You've been at City Team for about 16 years. You mentioned mm -hmm. that. Leading it as the executive director for six years now. This is not easy work. No. How do you stay encouraged and living on the hope side of the equation? So I've been in my leadership role now for six years, and that was a big shift from being, you know, in the working position into thinking about how we're going to lead, and part of that answers your question. We do come into an environment every day where we know people are really struggling, where we say, come with your dysfunctions, come with your life disappointments, and we're going to create a safe place for you. And so what that means for us is that we need to prepare our hearts every morning for God to soften our hearts to be a safe place no matter what people's dysfunctions and challenges throw our way. People come angry sometimes. People come very hurt um, and very broken. And we see a lot of people who don't experience transformation while we see them. That can be very hard. Um, but the truth is, this question of how we remain hope is that we see over and over and over again how God changes lives mm. through the work mm. that we do. And we tell the stories to ourselves. We tell the stories to anyone who will listen of what God has done because he continues to change the narrative of people who struggle and suffer. And he does it in our work every day. Okay, share one of those stories with us. We'd love to hear. <laughs> Could I share two? Yeah, please. Okay, so <laughs> because we do a lot of different things, I wanted to share one story that inspires me that thinks more about how we were able to help a life transform. Mm. Um, this gentleman, who I won't share his name, came to us in his early 20s um, with an opioid addiction. And he came into our shelter just looking for a place to stay mm. and discovered that we had supportive 12-step services for residents, and he enrolled in our drug and alcohol recovery program. He had never opened a Bible. Mm. Um, he had never engaged with a Christian community. Um, his parents were both addicted at that time, and he had learned his addiction through the family system, which started with, like, so many stories. Um, someone who needed pain relief in the family who became addicted, and then it just took over their whole household. Um, this gentleman in his early 20s was able to really understand the love of Christ, to come in a, into a relationship with Christ, to work through the 12-step program while he was here with us. He worked through some court and legal issues that he had. Um, he now, just last week, was able to get his driver's license back. Wow. <laughs> he graduated from our program about three years ago. And during that time, he became employed at Trader Joe's. He's moved up in his responsibilities mm. there. And he just got a car <laughs> last oh, week. <laughs> um, and so he credits City Team for transforming his life. Mm. God at City Team for transforming his life. And through his life, his parents... Um, have also come into recovery and his brother. And so the whole family has become restored really through his influence, through what God did in his life at mm. City Team. 
he's a miracle. Mm, absolutely. The, the second story I would love to share is a little different. We connected with a woman probably my first year at City Team who dropped mm. in for diapers and formula for her little kids. She would describe now that she was in an abusive marriage. At that time, she just felt like her life was really hard. Mm. And she fell into addiction. Um, she and her husband at the time were in a very traumatic relationship. She eventually had to receive domestic abuse services. Mm. And in the 10 or so years that we knew this woman, she would stop in for city team when she needed crisis. People would pray with her. We would help her and her children get to the next step. And then she would have a little setback and then she would come in. Ultimately, she participated in our camp program and a couple of others. And she credits city team for being that beacon of hope that helped her stay in the light until she was able to get into recovery. She is about three years clean right now. She's mm. worked, she just got promoted to a manager at her job. She was, um, she's never had full-time employment for that length of time. Mm. She and her kids are in a healthy and stable place. And City Team remains a place where she can drop in for that emotional support, spiritual support, message of Christ, and temporary help when she needs it. And I love her story mm. because we don't often hear how it turns out for people who we see in little right. bouts of crisis. And she's been kind enough to come back. And she, we're not the whole part of her story, mm. but we are a true steady place for her to receive mm. the hope and love of Christ and for her life to change. Oh, life change is incredible. Can, can we thank God for those two mm. lives? That's <laughs> wonderful. It's great. Mm -hmm. Our generosity with the initiative, I think, is going to help at City Team. So can you paint a picture of how you see that being used? I'm really excited for how we're thinking about utilizing your generosity this year. We want to invest in our summer camp program for the women and kids who come into our program. And just to help you understand, we work with people who are typically severely disadvantaged and have experienced long-term poverty. Most of the women and kids who we interact with have not left their community ever. Mm. Um, and so what our camp program looks to do is to create a place where city kids who may have never literally left the confines of the city of Chester get an opportunity to go out to a place called Refreshing Mountain. It's a Christian retreat center. And we take, actually, the people who run it are over here with me, Anna Donahoe, who actually does all the camping programs. They, she and her team of volunteers and staff take women out of the city with their kids for a vacation, a retreat. We provide vacation Bible school for the kids. The moms get an opportunity to connect with one another and have some, um, like a spa day and some Bible studies with one another. And... What we've seen in the 15 years that we've been doing that type of environment, the summer camp, which is now a retreat, thank God. Mm -hmm. The camp was a little too rough for all of us. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, what we've seen even at our most rustic places and in this retreat center that we're blessed to use now is that God... Um, over and over again has created opportunity for kids to hear about Christ, sometimes for the first time, mm -hmm. for women to build community with one another, which is so hard to do when you're struggling, especially as a single mom, and for this ability to just relax and be. And I, I don't think I mentioned this to you, but a lot of the kids we serve, they struggle with food insecurity as well. And at camp every year, Breakfast, lunch, and dinner are all a guarantee every mm -hmm. day, which is no small thing in the group of people that we mm -hmm. serve. We've had kids commit their life to Christ at camp. We have three women on staff right now who originally participated in our camp program, and they're now ministering for others in their community. Mm -hmm. It's truly transformational um, from my perspective, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity mm -hmm. to do it with your support again this year. And so our initiative, the success of it, mm -hmm. pays for that, it which does. is a beautiful thing. Well, the work City Team is doing in Chester, so important. You are a bright light, and thank you for your leadership, and we're excited to partner with City Team for this year's initiative. Will you help me thank Quinn Tucker? Thanks. Thanks, Quinn. Buddy Thingpin has served as a missionary in Russia for the past 24 years. His work with orphans, the addicted, the poor, and the forgotten in the city of Smolensk and the surrounding areas is remarkable. Buddy's work is even registered as Valley Point Russia. We certainly have a connection. Recently, a team from Valley Point traveled to work with Buddy and helped put in new flooring in two different orphanages. 
They rebuilt a playground that the previous team at Valley Point built 15 years ago. The team also built an outdoor pavilion at a special needs orphanage. The pavilion is a unique gift for this home as it's celebrating its 150th anniversary. The needs in Russia are immense. Buddy Thinkpin is passionately helping many see Jesus. Our willingness to act justly and generously share is going to make a difference in Russia. Will you help me welcome Buddy Thigpen? <laughs> Buddy is a, a long-term friend of Valley Point, and we have been sending teams to work with you, for you, for many years, even yeah. before my time frame here. So thank you for treating our people so well. I know we had a team just come back a few weeks ago, and they're all energized and, and ready to go back, which I know is music to your ears. Yeah. So thank you for being so good to our people. And this is the first chance you've had to be in our new home as well. So welcome back yeah. to Valley Point. Thank you so much. And I, I, I want to tell you how um, proud I am of you and how proud I am of you. Thank you. Because uh, I feel like that um, I'm not just a missionary that you think about every once in a while. I've been a part of this place for a long time. And when I pulled up today and saw your new place and, and see how God's blessed, it is such a testimony of, of your dedication and his blessing and uh, the goodness of God on this place. And I'm so proud for you. Thanks for having me. And I think you win the award for traveling the furthest to get here <laughs> this morning, although you have been stateside for a few weeks. So we're, we're glad that you're here. Like everyone else, Buddy, what excites you most about your work? And you, you've been at it in Russia for 20-some years. Yeah. What still excites you? Well, for me, and I, and I, and I hope for you as well, um, as a believer, just as a Christ follower, I'm just excited to be a part of God's family. Yeah. For me, to, to be a part of the most amazing work on the face of this earth, to me, just still thrills me. Um, I'm excited that God gave me the opportunity to uh, be where I am. and to do All I've ever done is ministry. Uh, when I was 14, I became a Christ follower. In the same year, I felt like God wanted me just to work full time and, and over a period of time I just volunteered to go to Russia I felt like it was such a great opportunity it still is and I'm excited about uh, how God has worked there and I'm excited about uh, if you ask me the things I'm most excited about it's really a difficult question I'm excited about being a part of God's family but I'm excited about my family God gave me six boys and when we first went to Russia my youngest was six months and my oldest was 16, and we didn't know anybody. And we went and settled ourselves in, and they've all become Christ followers, and they all love Jesus. And I'll tell you one thing. If, if everybody in Russia became a Christ follower, but if I lost my family, for me that would not be a fair trade. I am so excited my boys love God and they're following after him. And in some way, they're all still a part of that work. Mm. And I'm excited about the work in Russia. <laughs> there ain't no place else like Russia. And I'm excited that, uh, that it, never, it never ceases to amaze me. There are so many needs there. There is a, it, it never, uh, uh, the never, the, the work never gets boring. It's continuously exciting. So I'm glad to be a part of that work. Describe a typical, which it's probably not, but yeah. a typical week, month, some of the activities that you're engaged in there in Smolensk and surrounding areas. Yeah, I'm like, I think Quinn said there's not a typical day. <laughs> and, I, and I guess since we've been there over 20 years, if you said, what, has there been a week that looked like the other week? There's, there's just not. I, I did pastor for a while before I went to Russia, and I remember those days when there was routine. And I'd get ready for this service and that service and church work, and it was just kind of routine. And there's not routine. It's more needs-driven than anything. Um, and we are only limited by our lack of creativity when it comes to work on mission fields in general, and especially in Russia. 
because that country is still changing. The walls just came down. When, when we think about the birth of a nation or the birth of a country, we have to understand that Russia is still a baby nation in its new form. And so they're still not stable. They're still expanding. They're still growing. They're still looking. And that brings with it many, many opportunities and many needs. And those needs are found in orphanages. I never went to Russia to work in orphanages. It never crossed my mind when I left here that someday the major part of what we do would be with orphans and with children uh, that have been thrown away. So um, the needs keep expanding. Uh, a, a typical day is not typical. That's right. <laughs> Valley Point, Russia. Yeah. A lot of our people may not know that is the name you are registered yeah, under right. in Russia. So we are connected, whether we want to be or not. It's yeah. part of what you do. Encourage us with how you see God using our church in a faraway place. Yeah. Um, this day for me is, is just exactly what, what a church should look like. If you go back to the principles of Scripture, here's what Jesus said. When the last thing he said before he ever left this earth was, was what? He said, I'm going to give the church, I'm going to give you power. And you take that power, and what, what should you do with it? What did he say to do with it? Invest in people all around you, but not just the people all around you. Invest in these, these uh, groups that are here. Got to do that. But don't just stop. Got to go to Dominican Republic too. Mm. And don't, don't just stop at Dominican Republic. You can get there in a couple of hours. <laughs> go to the, the Bible says, go to the far ends of the earth, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And where's the uttermost part of the, of the earth? It's <laughs> Russia. <laughs> and so you're, you're doing that. And we have, you and I have, when I stepped foot on Russia for the first time that summer, over 20 years ago, mm. we had a connection with Valley Point Church. Uh, uh, the, the, the man who pastored this church, uh, uh, when I became connected with, with him, eventually came here. He wasn't here then, but he, he was there on that first day, the first summer I was there. And that has just grown to the point so that right now, the roots of this church and Russia are so intertangled that if y'all die, we die. That's, that's, that's what it's like. And I'm telling you, I think that's the way it ought to be. That's the way it's got to be. This church is impacting all around you but to the uttermost. And I, and I think it's a beautiful picture. And that excites me. <laughs> He's up here stomping his feet, moving his hands. Oh, so fun, so fun. Can you share a quick story just of, of life change? Somebody that has been impacted by the work in Russia. Yeah, I, th this is a... The group that was with us in September, um, we went to a church. This church, uh, 15 years ago, helped us to begin a new work in the city of Smolensk. Now, we are in Smolensk proper, but all around Smolensk, we work in orphanages in different places all, all around. But in the very city of Smolensk, we started a church. Your group came 15 years ago and helped us to begin that church. It was begun mostly with university students. We had begun a university program in one of, one of the universities, and we gathered those students and said, we'll, we'll start a church with these people. And we did. And we began doing programs. Your church would come over. And I remember that summer that, that you guys came, we had a program with youth. We had, had an outreach with youth. And there was a little girl who was a part of one of those groups. I remember her distinctly as being on the fringe. You know, like the, the kid who comes doesn't know really what's going on, but wants to be a part, doesn't know how. And I remember your group kind of loving her into that group. 
and making her feel welcome and taking what you knew did not even speak the same language. But there is, a, there is a language of love and warmth and kindness and goodness that speaks to any ear, and everybody understands it. And she became a part. And not only did she become a part, but over time, I remember sitting in with her and counseling with her, and her folks were not Christ followers and did not want her to be, but she became Our group was there this past September. We've turned that church over to other men, and they're pastoring and leading that church now, but we went back to visit, and I was speaking. It was so significant for me. I looked down, and there she was. But not just her anymore, but her babies. Now she has three. And she's married to such a good man. And they're raising godly family. And that story can be repeated. And we can see that in other lives. But that was so significant that your, your folks got to see that and got to greet her again. She almost came here, as a matter of fact. We were, we were trying to make arrangements for, come, for her to come here and go to school. It didn't work out. And for me, I'm glad it, did, uh, it didn't. And for her, too. She, she met her husband and she's raised her family now. But you were part of that. And um, for every story like that, there's a hundred more that need to be made like that. So there's lots of work to do yet. Our generosity with the initiative is going to really help with the work in Russia. You do some very creative things. Paint a picture of yeah. how you see this being used. Yeah. Your Chris- Christmas initiative for us, uh, we started... Um, a while ago, you asked me about how, how a week or how our, our work looks. We revolve around seasons in our work in Russia. And one of the biggest seasons of the year for us is Christmas season. But Christmas is not December 25th there. It's January 7th. So don't get confused. Just think Christmas season. New Year's is the huge. For, for 70 years, they kicked God out of everything in Russia. And so they celebrated New Year without Christmas, without God, without any reference to Jesus at all. And so the 7th was uh, Orthodox Christmas. And so it's the biggest push of the year for us. We don't do anything bigger all year than we do our Christmas program. You know, how, you, know why, you know why we do that? Because it's probably been 15 years ago. Somebody from this church said, why don't you all do a Christmas program? I said, all right, finance it and we'll do it. And we started our Christmas programs with you guys 15 years ago. And that's how it all got started. And now it has become the biggest thing that we do. We do work in orphanages. And, as, uh, and with as, as many funds as we can, with that, we'll go as far as we can. In other words, we don't have a budget. If it comes in, we'll go, we'll, just like you'll give it to me to spend, uh, uh, you'll give it to this church to spend on these initiatives, and all of it goes, if it comes to it, all of it goes as far as it'll go. We've begun uh, in the orphanages to work, in the, in the villages to work, in our churches, in the feeding centers, in the uh, rehab uh, centers. And just a couple of years ago, we connected and began to partner with an orphanage down in Ukraine. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but there's still a war going on in Ukraine. There's still fighting going on there. And in one of the places in the Donbass region of Ukraine, one of the orphanages uh, was abandoned. 75 kids there. And a couple of years ago, they also bombed out the facility that heated. In, in Russia, there was a big heating plant, and, and all the hot water goes to these different places. And that was bombed out, so they were out of heat. So we partnered together with a group that put in in, um, uh, wood stoves. And we thought, we'll heat it with wood stoves. We'll come to find out they couldn't find firewood. Everybody was doing the same thing. So we began to uh, ship firewood from Russia down into Ukraine. And part of our Christmas is simply heating homes 
in order for children to be warm. Now, we try to, to provide that for the entire winter, not just for the Christmas season, but for the entire winter. Can I, can I make one, one point and say, say this? We'll do a lot of things, and we'll provide a lot of things for kids, gifts, and fun. Fun is highly underrated. We'll have a great time with our Christmases with these kids, and we'll provide a... Uh, but the major thing that we want to do is tell them the story behind everything we do. That Christmas story. Because God forbid that our children go to hell with full stomachs. It is not just a part of what we do to give gifts to kids and to have fun with kids and and to uh, have them enjoy life. We want them to know the story behind goodness and life and the story of the manger because everything else is just an avenue. It's just a vehicle to get us to the main point that Jesus is the answer to every problem that we have. And so that's what drives us more than anything. And that's what we need to keep doing. That's what we need Christmas as a vehicle to help us share the story. So I think we need to get him some coffee in the break to settle him down a little bit. <laughs> Buddy, you're, you're doing extraordinary things in Russia, and it's a pleasure to know you and to connect with you. And we're excited about our initiative and how it's going to do great things, practical needs, but also share the story of Jesus with those who desperately need to hear about the hope and the purpose that he provides. Yeah. I'm going to ask Buddy to stay up here, but will you help me thank him? Can you do that? <laughs> well, these leaders, all of them, doing justice, doing justice. As a church, we want to do more than talk about justice. We want to be part of giving justice to others. And our initiative this year is going to go towards that. And so you've had the chance to hear from them a little bit, their heart and their passion. I want you to know we are going to set a goal of raising $80,000 this year. That's our largest initiative to date. And you'll be hearing more about that in the days to come when we officially launch this on November the 25th. You can begin giving to this now if you so choose. You will need to designate that giving, giving as the Christmas initiative. There is a place for you to do that online if that's how you give or in the memo section of your check. So I would encourage everyone to begin thinking and planning on how we can be involved in justice by partnering with these extraordinary leaders and their organizations. Micah 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Do justice. Do justice. Let's begin praying and planning to do just that as a church. And I can't wait to see how God uses us to help the mission of these organizations go forward faster. I've asked Buddy to pray in Russian for the initiative for Valley Point here, for Valley Point there. When he concludes in Russian, I'm not going to interpret that. I don't have that ability, but I will pray in English because that's what I'm able to do. And then we'll give you some instructions about being dismissed. So let's pray together. Buddy, please. Отец Небесный, мы благодарим Тебя за все. Особенно сегодня мы благодарим Тебя за эту церковь, за этот пастор, Эрик. Мы очень рады, чтобы мы смогли бы быть здесь сегодня вместе и говорить про что нам надо сделать для будущего, для наших людей и из Доминикан Републики и здесь 
в городе. У нас так много вещей, которые нам надо сделать для вас. И нам надо помощь, нам надо мудрость, нам надо все, что только ты можешь дать нам. Мы спросим тебя, наш Бог, чтобы вы будете с нами и дать нам, и эти люди, что, что им надо, чтобы они могли помогать нас, где мы работаем, и люди, где они э, стараются, чтобы они могли знать тебя, и мы можем жить вместе вечно. Аминь. Who are on the front lines of helping the vulnerable. I thank you for Una, for Jillian, for Quinn, for Buddy, for how they function, for how they serve, and for the great privilege we have of doing what you require of us, and that's acting justly. And we're going to be able to do that in a simple yet powerful way through this initiative. God, help us all to begin praying and planning now about how we can participate to reach this great goal and just help these organizations as they administer justice. We thank you for today. Bless us now as we are dismissed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.